and welcome to On A Lighter Note podcast, a place to learn all about perinatal mental health. I'm your host, Frankie, a peer support worker from Light. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I've got Matt. So Matt, you are the CEO and co-founder of Joel. That's right, isn't it? That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, and tell me about Joel. Um, wow, okay. Um, <laughs> I'll thanks, let you just introduce you Joel. Um, yeah, um, Joel um, is a charity that myself and my wife founded um, back in uh, 2012 when we were expecting our first rainbow baby. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2011, uh, unfortunately, our twin boys, Noel and James, were, were stillborn at 26 weeks. Mm. And as you know, as mm. you can imagine, um, very isolating. Um, we were now part of a club that nobody wants to be yeah. part of. Yeah. And we felt helpless because we felt that we were on our own. Mm-hmm. So we we sought support uh, from a local SANS support group in Chesterfield, yeah. which were absolutely amazing, that helped us with our grief and our mm-hmm. bereavement um, and to meet others mm. with hope um, that things were going to move forward in a positive way. Um, but around where we lived in Worksop, there was nothing no. there at all. No. Um, and because we were wanting to try again for yeah. our rainbow baby, Sebastian, um, yeah. we felt that the support after loss was missing. Yeah. So not just the grief and the bereavement, but the journey, the lifelong journey mm. of trying to conceive pregnant and parenting mm. after baby loss. So we did some fundraising um, to raise funds for SANS at yeah. Chesterfield that really helped us at that stage and there were some amazing people that ran the, uh, the group. Um, and we raised some money for Bassett Law Hospital uh, for a cold cot yeah. and part of that money funded by another family and this cold cot was purchased to help others. Mm. So then we thought well we need to do something that's going to help not only us yeah. move forward but there's other people like us yeah. that we've met that want to have that peer support um, to meet others, to find strength. Yeah. And um, we founded Joel. Mm-hmm. And Joel is a combination of our twin boys' names, Noel yeah. and James. Yeah. And throughout that time, we started, or that early stage, we started to run monthly what we call Chasing Rainbows mm-hmm. uh, groups. And the playgroup situation, when you're expecting your kids and yeah. everything, it, it sounds amazing. But when you've had a loss yeah. and you bring your rainbow baby along, the questions are, oh, is it your first? Yeah. Is it this? Is it that? Yeah. And you, get, you want to say, no, actually, no, it is. It's our yeah. third. Mm. Um, but those awkward questions can you know, yeah. create a bit of a, a difficult yeah. situation. So we, we wanted to start something that, People felt comfortable being part of it because everybody knows why they're there. Yeah. And then that support kind of yeah. came from it. So it grew from, from fundraising, but also then with a need to, to support mm. others within mm. our local area. And, yeah. And um, yeah, the, the groups kind of evolved. We, we ended up moving into uh, family yoga, so mm. crafting and family yeah. yoga. And then we started a peer support group, which met monthly face to face, so families. Mm or adults, um, the partners, or anybody that was affected could come along and have that mm. conversation. Um, and then um, it kind of then moved from not just the groups, we created mm. a lot of um, resources and literature that was 
based on the things that weren't available for um, families that were experiencing baby loss, but also were trying to conceive and pregnant and parenting afterwards. Uh, so our resources were, were created by bereaved families mm. um, and ourselves and, and other medical professionals and experience there to fill the gaps, but to help empower families. So we, yeah. we created a lot of resources that families can use to feel empowered when they're returning back to work, if their sibling is going into school, um, for employers to feel supported, mm. to support employees yeah. back in, whether yeah. it's after loss or yeah. as a result of being pregnant again. So, yeah, and mm. 12 years later, we're, we're, in a, we're in a place where things are, are busy, which is unfortunate, but yeah. we, we're really proud to be able to have that support for those people yeah. uh, that need it the most. Yeah, it's incredible the work that you've done and are still continuing to do when I'm sure there has been times of just pure darkness and such sorrow and heartbreak. You know, there aren't even words to describe, I'm sure, some of the emotions that you and your partner have both felt. And it's incredible that you have been able to build something that is incredibly successful and incredibly successful at supporting others. Um, Yeah, that's... You must feel so proud. Yeah, um... I do. Um, we do. I think the, mm. the trustees are amazing trustees. And it's trustee week this week, by yeah, the way. So shout yeah. out to the, the Joel Board of Trustees. Amazing. Um, we're all proud of being mm. able to create that space. And it's just creating spaces for people yeah. to know that they're not alone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we do feel proud. Yeah. Um, it's been our own th- therapy. Yeah. Because we meet so many amazing people. And, mm. and I, I always go back to before we lost Nolan James and mm. both Emma and I, um, my wife, we, we, we always talk about, we can't really remember what our life was like beforehand mm. because mm. that dark, devastating time when we mm. heard that they were, you know, that they mm. died mm. and Emma was gonna have to deliver them the next day and have the funeral and everything mm. else that goes with it. We, since that point, we've met so many amazing people yeah. And I know people coined the term, you know, uh, new normal, but yeah. it is a new normal yeah. Yeah. because you're you're living with grief, yeah. you're living a bumpy ride of life mm. after loss, mm. and it does affect your mental health, yeah. and it affects relationships, and it affects mm. a lot of things. It affects your job and everything that, mm. that's linked um, to grief and bereavement, but. We feel proud that we've got that space yeah. and support for people that need it yeah. to know that they're not alone. Absolutely. So, but yeah. it is hard. Yeah. It's hard. Absolutely. And that um, communication and connection that is so needed in those times mm. um, can be really hard to find. And like you say, you know, when you're at a baby group almost, or is that the time? Is that the place? <laughs> like it, sometimes, yeah, it might be, and sometimes, no, it's not. And I, as, so when you're explaining that, scenario I was thinking about a time where with my oldest daughter I was at a baby group and someone said oh is it your first and I had lost three babies in pregnancy prior to that uh, to my daughter I said yeah and the guilt the pang of guilt inside me every time I said this is my first baby when I knew in my head 
I'm disregarding those other three yeah. babies that I lost, but I don't now. It's not the time, and I don't want to bring it up, and I don't. I hadn't dealt with it at all. So I, but the the guilt that you feel, but you also think this isn't the time, and and really, I think actually when I look back, I needed to talk to mom, yeah. but there wasn't. Yeah. There, there weren't those spaces to talk. There wasn't. Um, I didn't even know that that was a thing that I should be doing. It was just carry on, you know, and I'm sure others probably have felt similar. And I hope now actually there is a shift in the way we look at mental health um, in general, but specifically fertility, conception, loss, yeah. parenthood. I think there is being, there's a bit more of a shift now and people are a bit more open to talk about these things. There are organizations like Joel, like Lights, other organizations as well, there's spaces where people can openly talk yeah. about these feelings and that peer support element of knowing you're all in that room for the same reason. And you don't even necessarily need to talk about it. it. There's that mutual understanding that we're all here for that reason. Yeah. And sometimes just knowing that can be so helpful um, that you're not in it on your own. It is, it's, it, you know, organically, as a result of those spaces, conversations will happen yeah. because of the space that's created yeah. from a well-being perspective. Mm. Um, we don't sit around in a circle. Mm. You know, we don't go through everybody introducing yeah. themselves and their story. Yeah, people, if they want to, can. Mm. But organically, as a result of our groups, that might happen yeah. over time. Um, but what what we did in in the early um, in the early stages of, of Joel was to put something online. So we had a, mm. a private Facebook group yeah. that we created. And I think we've, we've got over 500 people that are part of the group and we've got lots of active mm. members. Mm. And I remember Emma saying um, when she or I were, was up in the night with Sebastian, mm. our, our first rainbow, and, and mm. you know, Polly uh, came along a couple of years afterwards, um, in the middle of the night when you're thinking lots of weird thoughts yeah. and you're struggling yeah putting something on that group yeah. there's always going to be somebody that's feeling the same mm -hmm. and that will respond yeah even if it's a i get you I yeah. hear you, i'm here for you mm -hmm. or this is how i might yeah. have dealt with it yeah that reassurance mm. so that peer support kind of came about far and wide and a lot of these people have never met no. each other no but part of this group that I think they don't even realise how much support they've given yeah. to lots of other people Absolutely. over time. So we were really proud to create that space online, um, but also to meet so many inspirational people mm. that gave us hope as a family, yeah. um, and that gave other people hope too, yeah. because when you experience loss, regardless of any whatever stage of pregnancy, mm. a loss is a loss, your mm. hopes and your dreams you know, we talk about infertility and the trying to go through that mm. trauma and that heartache yeah. and the finances and everything else mm. to get to zero, then to become pregnant. Yeah. Prior to that, the losses, mm. the hopes and dreams that you have, yeah. that that's hard to overcome. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we have anniversaries, we have birthdays, mm. you know, and we always remember and we want to, we want to have that conversation because it's real. Yeah. And yeah. the more people know that the support out there mm. and people need to talk about it, mm -hmm. the better. And yeah. we champion, you know, Baby Loss Awareness Week, yeah. which was in October. Um, but where possible, it's a massive taboo subject. Mm. You know, we've got yeah. two 
two taboo subjects. I'm going to throw another one in the mix <laughs> in a second. But you've got mental health. Yeah. You've got baby loss. Yeah. And I'm going to throw in men's mental health as yeah. well. And I'll talk about mm. your dads mm. in, in a bit. But mm. yeah, um, the guilt coming back to what you were yeah. saying about saying about no, it's my first, or, or yeah. feeling actually no, I want to tell them about this, yeah. but it's not the right space. Yeah. It depends on your situation mm. it depends on your environment but mm. equally you've got to have that self-care you've got to think yeah. right i've got to protect myself yeah. and the time's probably not right no. so it's that reassurance mm. that you know what you might mm. feel that guilt but at that point you're yeah. protecting yourself from yeah. having that conversation so yeah. you've had to learn and think about yeah. it in a different way and i think there's something that's really um just incredibly rewarding about peer support is when you are able to talk about these things and be open about them when it feels right for you is the support you can provide for someone else and I feel so incredibly fortunate for my job to now be me talking so openly about all these really shitty things that might have happened to me in my life at certain times and I'm in a place in terms of my own mental health that I can openly share that and I feel comfortable and okay to do that but me sharing that means someone else can hear me and yeah. go, oh, I can speak and someone can hear me now. Yeah. And it's a safe place to do that. And that's so incredibly rewarding. And I'm sure you feel the same way you're able to support others and, you know, hold that space for others. That's like you said before, it's like therapy for you. You know, it's what gets you yeah. through it. Um, and that's incredible, I think. Yeah, it's um, it's it, it's a privilege to, to sort of, speak to people that know mm. that you know what they're feeling like and, yeah. and how they um where they are at the moment at that moment um and you kind of feel sort of helpful to help them along their journey and mm. um share your story you know i i've shared our story so many mm. times i've also got to remember that i'm on a journey yeah even though it's you know, such a long time since we, we lost Norman mm. Jane in twenty two thousand eleven. Um the the bumps in the road are still mm. there mm. and the strategies to overcome those bumps have got more stronger and we've mm. become more resilient. But mm. equally it's about self care about yeah. if I'm talking about my experience with somebody and, and you'll be mm. the same, mm. it's it's having that time to look after yourself afterwards. Yeah. Um and we, our, our practice, whether we're just having conversations with mm. individuals on mm. the phone, on Zoom, mm. or in a, in a small group during a craft session, it's always about like, taking some time out and mm. just reflecting and talking yeah. to, to colleagues or talking yeah. to, to friends. That's self-care for you, that self-awareness of you Massively. as a professional yeah. in yeah. these situations. Yeah, it's really important, isn't it? Um, but I also try and share that and, yeah. and what we try and do is teach people how to not beat themselves up feeling mm -hmm. shitty because that's normal mm. it's how to focus on how that person can move forward with that looking after that mm. getting stronger through different techniques mm. through just talking meeting other people um, sleeping exercise mm. we, we, we run walk and talk sessions which are which are brilliant yeah. you know we, we all know how, how brilliant walking and, and exercise is for yeah. our mental health but yeah. being amongst people that yeah. you know uh, having similar experiences or yeah. have 
and outside it, it's great and things like that but yeah. also practicing it yourself yeah yeah which is um, hard because i yeah we were saying be, be, before we started the podcast weren't we that yeah we want to save the world and yeah. we want to do everything we can but obviously we can burn out yeah. as a result of that yeah and we can't pour from an empty cup no absolutely I, I think something i get asked probably at least once a week from those that i'm supporting that that might be in the really raw just the midst of the trauma of you know whatever it is that's happened um they're really in like sort of those early days of trying to figure out what is going on and how to move forward and they're really struggling and for me the majority of the people i talk to might be talking about birth trauma and they say to me how do i get where you are what do i need to do to get where you are and i think sometimes they can look at me and think oh she's she's fixed quote unquote fixed now <laughs> i mean absolutely not but i i remember having that feeling i remember thinking you know people will say to me you'll get through this you'll get through this and i think i just want to be through it i just want to be there where you're telling me i'm going to get to how do i get there and, and what does there look like exactly and then this is when people say to me like what did you do and and for me actually often the question is um i had a traumatic birth with my first daughter and then a really lovely birth with my second daughter and often people might be looking at their mental health and around trauma that they might have experienced in pregnancy or in birth because they're thinking about do I want do I have more children is that something that I'm going to do or not so they say to me how did you get better so that you could have another child and I you know I said you could repeat everything I did and you still might not be in the same place and not every day is sunshine and rainbows and you know you think you look at me and think oh you're fixed none of us are fixed none of you know we're all struggling we're all dealing with it um and it's hard because you want to give that person that hope you want to provide hope and, and there is hope but it, there's not one way of doing it, and there's not a tick box, you know, go on a walk and do some yoga and you'll feel better. You'll be fine. I mean, I'm sure there's times that that helps, but often no. you can do, you can go through your list, and I do this at the moment myself. You might have a mental health blip, and you go through your list, your checklist of yeah. go outside and eat healthy and talk to your friends and go for a run and do some yoga and meditate, and you still feel a bit shit yeah. <laughs> after all of that. And yeah. the, that's really hard. One, to be the person to say, I can't tell you how to fix this. I can't tell you how to do all these things and you, you'll feel better. But it's also hard hearing that, being that person who just wants to feel anything other than the pain that they're feeling in that moment. Um, and it's really hard, isn't it? You can't, you can't, you can't take anything away. No. And everybody lives their own life in a, in a way that they have to because of their circumstances. Mm. And yeah, you want to give them the hope, you were saying that, that it will get better and and over time you get more used to managing things and recognizing signs and becoming okay with being vulnerable but as long as those spaces are there to Mm. reach out yeah and i think if people haven't got that space to reach out it's a lonely place to be yeah like light Mm. you know people that come here know that there's a safe space mm. that they can be who they want to be and there's yeah. somebody going to listen to them yeah and when they walk out that door they will feel better yeah. even if it's for 15 20 yeah. minutes yeah and yeah. that's all we can give yeah. you know trying uh, you get going through our um our pregnancy with, with sebastian oh my god you know yeah. the trauma of thinking it's going to happen again yeah. the anxiety yeah. um as a 
as a man not being physically in control of yeah. feeling baby move and me having to ask mm. questions that were mm. probably pissing my wife <laughs> off so much yeah. because I wanted some reassurance yeah. but she couldn't give me any more reassurance yeah. and yeah. For, for nine months um, every scan yeah. you know the, the midwives were amazing I mean Bassett Law Hospital the team that looked after us were incredible mm. the, the care and compassion mm. that the team um showed us in delivering Nolan James mm. to um, all the appointments that we had with Sebastian and, and Polly yeah. um, and you know that we're, we're forever grateful for that mm. for that care but yeah. my god mm. you know but nobody could tell us you know what it's mm. gonna be alright mm. because you have to ride mm. it and you've got to go with mm. life and, and Knowing that we got spaces as a yeah. result of what we created, but other people were there mm. for us as well, mm. we we felt reassured that we mm. could have that conversation. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's it's tough. Yeah. It's tough on on this side of it, yeah. the, the desk, and and obviously on the other side. I just can't even imagine how difficult life is after experiencing something, losing your child, losing your children. Like, it just you can't make sense of it in your head and I think as humans we want to find reasons and we look for reasons and often we find reasons by putting it on us and where to blame in some which way and um, you know that is hardly ever the case but we often do that I just can't imagine then you you have to carry on your life continues and that you know it changes you the grief sits with you forever the trauma and the grief is there and it is inside of you and you somehow have to find a way of navigating every day in every scenario and every hour with this grief inside of you and then to go on to have more children that is a whole a whole other having children in any scenario is huge and challenging and so difficult to navigate and doing that after suffering such a loss um yeah, that must have been incredibly difficult. It, yeah, it, it, wow. I mean, that that day changes forever. Yeah. You know, um, I remember our, our twin boys. Um, mm. We we knew that the multiple pregnancies yeah. carry risk. Yeah. And um, we were being scanned a bit more frequently mm. because they were twins. Yeah. And um, a week before we lost them, um, there was a change in the amniotic fluid. Right. Uh, on a scan mm. and they were sort of talking about something called twin to twin transfusion syndrome yeah we didn't have a clue what that yeah. was we my wife was like huge in relation to a bump mm -hmm. she had severe back pain mm. and all the rest of it and mm. um, she was in a lot of pain mm. but we, we we were told right as a result of this we're going to start scanning you a little yeah. bit more frequently because we want to keep an eye on things yeah Anyway, I was at work um, just preparing for a class and I got a phone call from Emma saying my water was broken. Yeah. Um, I'm on my way to hospital. So, you know, 26 weeks, you're thinking, yeah. oh my God, you know. So, race up to the hospital and she's there and the kind of people looking after her. I'm, I'm kind of with her mm -hmm. and the parents mm -hmm. have come up and then they're looking, they're trying to scan mm. her. 
Um, and then the words, you can't find the heartbeat. No yeah. heartbeat. That, that'll live with us forever. Mm-hmm. And at that point, our world came crashing down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if it wasn't for the support of our family and our close friends at that point, getting up in the morning, yeah. functioning, mm. and trying to continue in some sort of life would have been a massive challenge because yeah. your hopes and your dreams have just completely yeah. shattered. Yeah. And you know the next day that you, you're going to be holding your kids, that there's no happy ending. Yeah. And to see your wife and give birth, and it was very traumatic, and there was there was yeah. lots of consultants running around at one point, and it was a very, very frightening, and yeah. I I was witnessing this, so yeah. from my point of view, yeah. it was a little bit of PTSD yeah. when it comes to yeah. kind of going back into rooms and stuff, yeah. but we we were, we we wanted to work on something, we, we wanted yeah. a family, mm. and through again the support and the reassurance the amazing team at the hospital we were able to fortunately fall pregnant mm. within a period of time mm. and less than a year after losing Noel and James mm. we were expecting Sebastian Sebastian yeah. was born in the August yeah. following year yeah um and we weren't prepared for him we, yeah. we didn't get anything out we didn't <laughs> want to take faith yeah. you know with the twins we had everything yeah. ready it was yeah. all in the nursery you know like you do because yeah when you try, when you get married mm. and try for your family, yeah. we had we had some early miscarriages that nobody tells you and prepares yeah. you about. And we were very. I remember being off work for a, a week or two, and very traumatized because mm. we're like, "Oh my God, this this yeah. surely." Yeah. And then people say, "You wait to the twelve week mark. Yeah. Everything's gonna be fine." We yeah. got to the twelve week mark, and yeah. that part wasn't. Yeah. So we didn't want to tempt fate. Mm. So we didn't have anything out, and I think we were in shock when Sebastian yeah. was delivered. He was induced a little bit early because we elected to have him yeah. a bit early yeah. where it was safer. We just wanted him out and safe. Yeah, yeah. We were in shock, and mm. there's a photo of Emma with Sebastian just literally mm. placed on a, on a chest, and she's in shock. Yeah. And we we were both like, "Wow, he's here! Yeah. He's crying." But we didn't have anything out. We didn't. We yeah. weren't prepared because yeah. we didn't want to tempt fate. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. To think that but we we didn't enjoy that pregnancy. Yeah. We couldn't enjoy it because it was yeah. so traumatic. And we didn't enjoy Polly. No. Being pregnant with Polly. Yeah. Um It takes that the naivety that you once had yeah. has been shattered. Like hugely. And I remember in my pregnancies after I'd lost well after I'd had miscarriages feeling so jealous of all the people that had, that was their first pregnancy and, and there was no anxiety of losing this baby. And actually the shock you said you felt when Sebastian was born, I had that actually with my second daughter because she was a surprise pregnancy that came along out of nowhere. And I'd still, even to this day, I've lost more babies than I have. So in my head, a positive pregnancy test doesn't mean you're having a baby, like at all. So I was thinking, well, we're not having a baby. And then as time went on and time went on, time went on, and I was like, okay, maybe we'll prepare for the birth because I think we might be. Yeah. And then they handed me a baby and I thought, oh no, I no, I was just going to do the birth. I didn't, and actually I really struggled with postnatal anxiety and depression after that, after she was born. And it's because I had not, I had completely disconnected pregnancy and a 
baby, a child that is yours, that you have to look after them. I had not. No, I had not connected those things at all. Um, So, yeah, I really recognise that feeling of just, like, not having anything, not buying anything, not... Yeah. yeah. You're trying to protect yourself mentally, aren't you? You, Yeah. You're fearful of of what's coming or Mm. what might happen. But, yeah, it's it's Mm. such a weird thing, but... It's it's mad. It's yeah. it's a it's a a time where I look back and I remember us going on holiday just after mm. we we found out about holidays. We had the funeral and we I was off work still and Emma was on maternity leave mm. um, and we were like we just need to get away. We yeah. need to do something. We went to Tenerife, really nice hotel, just to get away with yeah. it, uh, from it. And people say, oh, you know, we're going to. Uh, have you been to Canary Islands? And I was like, I can't remember, I don't. And then we were like, yeah, yeah we went to Tenerife. And it's one of those times mm. where it's just blocked because mm. it wasn't a holiday where we were no. kind of chilling, having yeah. a great time. It was a, we needed a break from all mm-hmm. this trauma mm-hmm. and we needed to get some reconnection together yeah. as a couple yeah. before we, we decided what we wanted to do next. Yeah. And the, the change in everything from that point onwards mm. and parenting and the fear and the anxiety that you, yeah. you're going to lose your kids. Yeah. You know, the little routines where you, I'm sure most people do this, but, yeah. you know, get going in and giving a kiss before you go to bed, yeah. they're already asleep and checking that they're breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I can walk out that door mm. now, you know? Mm. And, and those little things that you teach yourself to get over some fear and some anxiety mm. that you're feeling to mm. live and yeah. to continue. Yeah. And it's tough, and then the parenting thing is hard anyway. Yeah. But with the trauma yeah. and the fear all alongside that. And yeah. how, with Sebastian Penny, do you talk about Noel and James? Yeah, um, with both with both of them. I mean, Sebastian and Polly have, have grown up knowing about the Big Brothers. Mm. There, there's a picture of Noel and James um, on on the uh, windowsill. Mm. We go up and we have done ever since they were babies to see yeah. their gravestone and put flowers yeah. on on their birthday and on Father's mm. Day, on Mother's mm. Day, and Christmas. Yeah, they've grown up. They know about their big brothers. Yeah, um, the kind of story that they know is that they died. They know what mm. happened, but I think there'll be more questions as they're getting older. I mean, Sebastian's yeah. eleven and Polly's nine, and. They'll, they'll want to know a bit more so they yeah. can understand a little bit more I'm sure mm. um but we want we want families to feel empowered to celebrate their family as a whole mm. um if they it's, it depends on how they want to do that but mm. some people are religious some people say yeah. that they're you know they've gone to heaven and mm. they wish so many of their family mm. members some people are sitting on the clouds yeah. and whatever it might be you know um to yeah to to, to recognize that, that that was somebody's hope and dream dream yeah. that's a lost ass baby yeah. regardless of any yeah. time during pregnancy yeah. and shortly after birth yeah um so yeah they, they know all about the big brothers mm, that's lovely i think you know when we talked about breaking that stigma it almost starts with us yeah. um breaking that stigma for yourself and having those conversations and recognizing no this this happened and this you yeah. know 
this was my child, this was my baby, and, mm. and this happened. And being able to be open and talk about it, I'm sure it takes such a lot. Um, but I know for myself, I swept it all under the rug because, oh, it was early pregnancy, it was early pregnancy, it was early pregnancy. And just almost dismissed my own feelings. And, you know, the stigma was within me. And it's taken quite a lot to then actually recognise, like, oh, no, this was this was real. And, you know, the moment you get that positive pregnancy test, like, the things you think about and the yeah. hopes you have and the dreams and the life that you plan and, you know, the day that, you know, you get told or you realise it's not going to be what you thought is devastating. And, um, yeah, it's important, I think, you know, the way you so articulately articulately speak about it and, and talk about it and how your family unit is in response to what happened is is really um encouraging and really empowering i think um i think it depends on who you are as a person um i i wear my heart on my sleeve yeah um i know lots of people are mm. very private and mm. want to keep things more privately and yeah. don't want to talk about that and that that's absolutely fine um but if i can help people talk about it and feel normalized by saying this is yeah. how I'm feeling as a result of this and this was my baby and this yeah. is my family and, yeah. and they're no longer with us but this mm. is where we are mm. if I can talk about my experiences and talking about my own struggles as a result of losing Nolan James and my own mental health then yeah. that helps somebody else then yeah that's that's amazing and obviously as a bereaved dad mm. um Speaking with other bereaved dads, it's hard because, yeah. as I said earlier, you know, through subjects around mental health and men's yeah. mental health, yeah. we're wired differently. We, mm. we grieve differently. We might not have the same network or feel that we've not got the same network and support yeah. to be able to open up. Yeah. Toxic masculinity mm -hmm. and everything that goes around with it um, and impacts how yeah. we might feel, but also suppressing our feelings to protect our loved ones because yeah. we need to be the stronger people yeah. paternity leave going back to work mm. those that are self-employed that don't have yeah. a choice you know we look at male suicides yeah. um, and we know the statistics around that if I because I can talk about it mm. and I don't know why I don't know if it's because I used to be a teacher and I used to be in the fitness industry and mm. I used to be used to making a fool out of myself mm -hmm. in front of 30 odd people mm. every day mm. I don't know if that's it or if it's because I found some strength to be able to recognise that others need to listen to my story or just mm. be that person that's there for mm. that, that guy. Yeah. I found, well, as a charity, we, we wanted to do more around dads mm. and, and, and men affected yeah. by baby loss. So we founded um, Joel Dads in 2017. And it started off by meeting couple of times in the year yeah. and recognizing that we don't want to sit around in a circle yeah we don't want to go hi my name's martin i've yeah. lost yeah. these babies and this is how i'm feeling yeah. because nobody really wants to do that unless it's on their terms and yeah so we we organize physical activity we might go for a walk mm. we might organize something um you know a couple of times like an activity like go ape or yeah. go for a bike ride or, or whatever or, or a brewery mm. tour or whatever it might yeah. be to be again creating spaces where men yeah. can open up if they want to organically mm. that they know why we're there mm. and that then evolved to an online support group which mm. is a, a monthly peer support group that i facilitate mm. to give them a space yeah um 
as well as the activities throughout the year, um, as well as then a, a private Facebook group where yeah. people can reach out. And yeah. we don't get a lot of interaction on the, the, the mm. dad's Facebook group. Yeah. Um, there might be the odd post yeah. checking in, hope you're okay, and then sort mm. of a, a bit of back and forth. But I think for those members that are part of it, knowing that there's a space there if they need it is comforting. Mm. But there needs to be a lot of work mm. still to be done around partners, yeah. around men. You know, baby loss affects me as the mm. dad. It also affected my dad, yeah. the granddad. Yeah. It also affects Emma's dad, mm. Emma's brother, my brother, yeah. and the wider family network. And yeah. I remember trying to remain strong for Emma while she was giving birth mm. and trying to coach her through and yeah. you know what you do and naturally the midwives yeah. straight in to, to Emma yeah. Emma and I felt yeah on my own yeah and it was tough because I was feeling it they're mm. my kids mm. and I think if it wasn't for the people that were around us at that time my parents Emma's parents my friends mm. you know what your friends are you yeah. all the time yeah um to give me that opportunity but also the Joel what we created for Joel to evolve I I would be in a completely different place because yeah. I, I didn't have that opportunity yeah. Yeah. so I just want to be there for if, if I can be a, a, a you know somebody that, that is a man who, mm. who's had a similar experience or even just experiencing mental health struggles mm. to talk mm. and to be a, able to feel comfort that it's okay to yeah you know um, but when it comes to baby loss, is that not to push your own emotions and your own feelings yeah. to one side to remain strong for others? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I know in my own experience, myself and my partner dealt with things very differently. And what was really hard is we hadn't really told many people that we were trying for babies or that we were pregnant or that we'd lost babies. So it was just me and him. Um, and we lived abroad as well at, a ta at the time, so we weren't physically close to our family or anyone anyway. Um, and my coping strategy was to talk about it, yeah. and his coping strategy was to be silent about it. And that was really hard because we were both dealing with this situation alongside each other, but not able to support one another. And we also were both maxed out. We didn't have any space for the other one. And, um, you know, the whole time we'd ever been together, we were each other's person that is like the one that you talk to the one that picks you up the one that helps you when you need it and neither of us could do that to one another and I knew he didn't want to talk about it that was not the way he wanted to deal with this but I so desperately did and it was really challenging and really difficult um who did you turn to then I do you know what I had a friend who a colleague at work who we were friends but it I wouldn't have ever talked to her about that you know, in any other scenario other than I needed some time off work. And so I messaged her, like, can you cover such and such for me? I need to have some time off. She's like, yeah, okay. And she was like, I'm actually off on such and such a day. And I said, oh, is everything okay? And she sent me a picture of a positive pregnancy test and then a picture of a test that wasn't positive. And I said, what's going on? And she explained, I'm having a miscarriage. And I said, me too. And it, it took her bravery to open up to me and we became extremely close. And... um yeah, we, we, that friendship, and it's still extremely close now. We both have two daughters now, and we're so close. And 
Um, yeah, it took that bravery of her to be vulnerable with me, to, for me to be vulnerable with her. And thank God she did, because she is the one that picked me up and got me through it, both practically in terms of work. Yeah. I wasn't able to work. And uh, one of my losses, I had to have an operation, I had to have a bit of time off. Not, I didn't have enough time off, but I had t- some time off. And yeah. you don't tell anyone. I hadn't told my employer. I hadn't told certain people. And, you know, bills need to be paid and all of that. So yeah. logistically, I needed her to, like, do a bit of fibbing for me and pick up a bit of slack for me at work, but also to be the person that yeah. I can then lean on. And um, yeah, I was I was so fortunate that that was the person um, that helped me through those really difficult times. Um, but but at the time, I didn't even know that you do talk about it. And well, nobody nobody ever yeah. lied. You, you don't. As I say, you don't go through your planning to become pregnant knowing that. Yeah. This is going to happen because you, yeah. you either turn a blind eye to it, going, "Oh, mm. it won't happen to me. Mm. It's fine. You know, it happens to other people." Yeah. Um, but the awareness and the education around the support, if it does, and and what it means and mm. and the things, wasn't around. It. I think we we know that things have got a lot better. There's so many amazing organisations mm. that do so much for bereaved families yeah. through baby loss and beyond. Twelve years ago. No, and interestingly, as a result of us um, spending a bit more time in our office um, during the week Mm. in Worksop, we are able to speak to a a group, a coffee morning, a group Mm. of people, um, older older adults that that come along, and we're we're there anyway, so we we have conversations, and there's there's some amazing people that, that, that go, and they've been able to open up about their losses yeah. 60 years ago, yeah. 50 years ago. Yeah. And at that point, it was mm. not even spoken no. about. Yeah. And that was it. And at that point, they were able to talk and that was their therapy. So yeah. having those conversations, knowing where we are now and the support that yeah. is around, there's still not enough. No. And I think there's a hell of a lot of work to be done yeah. still around this. but. We're in a different place yeah, to where we absolutely. were, even 12 years ago. Yeah. I know um, when we told our mums um, that we were pregnant, this was the second pregnancy, we hadn't told anyone with the first, but the second pregnancy, we told our mums. We got a little bit further along and we were a bit more confident. We told our mums and then we lost that baby and we had to sort of untell them is the way yeah. I sort of describe it. And uh, untelling them was obviously so hard. It's hard. It's a hard time, but... Seeing the heartbreak on their face was awful. And then they both then told me about their own losses, which, so my partner's mum told me about a loss that she had that I never, you know, he didn't know about, I didn't know about, and she never really talked about it. And then I knew my mum had 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 lost a baby in pregnancy between me and my brother, but I didn't really know the details. And she said to me, yeah, I was 22 weeks um, when I lost the baby. And then it just, I couldn't even imagine, like my mum dealing with that, you know, at the time that she did, where there was no support, you know, my dad was in the army, wasn't there, and I mean, even if he was, he's probably not the most emotionally available (laughs) of men, Um, (laughs) so probably not great anyway, but yeah, just, I really realised, like, actually, she was peer support for me, and I was peer support for her in that time as well, and, you know, the more conversations I've had since then, you realise how many experiences people have actually had, and how 
you know, this is going on quite a lot more than we ever realised because we've not been talking about it. We don't talk yeah. about it. We don't know that we should. We don't, we're scared to open up those conversations. It is. It's, it's, I think it, it's, there's a culture, isn't there, that we're, we're trying to um, make better yeah. by opening up and being mm. vulnerable and it being all right mm. and not weak. Yeah. You know, it shows strength. The bravery to, that it takes. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, for your friend to yeah. come to you and for you to go to your parents mm. and for you to feel validated for your mm. feelings, mm. that's brave yeah. and that shows strength. And yeah. that's what we want. Yeah. But what we live in, and depending on what we do for a living, where we live, mm. our social network yeah. will allow us to be either more vulnerable or show our vulnerability and mm. it'd be okay to have shit days yeah. and nobody go, oh, you know, yeah. what's what's up with you, mate? Yeah. Well, I'm just not feeling very good. Yeah. You know? If we walked into work and go, oh, I'm gonna be back at weekend, yeah. then people go, Oh, you know, sit yourself yeah. down. But if you say, Oh, you know what, I'm struggling a bit mm. or I'm, I feel like I'm not wanting to talk, yeah. so I don't talk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And why? Yeah. The, again, it's the, still the stigma around yeah. what we need to be like. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's my personality, quite positive, mm. glass half full yeah. always. Mm. But behind the smile, yeah, there's not that. Yeah. For some parts of my working yeah. week, and yeah. that's normal and that's mm. all right. Mm. Um, but I think as well, it's acknowledging that that's okay for yourself and yeah. not to be on, on show and perform but mm. just to reassure others that you know what you know what let's let's yeah. be all right with ourselves yeah. and about how we feel yeah. but we know where to go if we're feeling mm. a bit rubbish um and we've got friends that understand and family that mm. understand and that we can mm. turn to it's having those conversations yeah. i think it sometimes can be that all or nothing mentality of like you're either all great or if you are a bit sad, then that's it. Your whole life's crumbling. You've got depression. Yeah. You've got, and I think probably even more so in men, it's sort of you can't have a, a bit of a rubbish day or a blip in your mental health. You can't have that. You either have to be fine or you're clinically depressed and you're this yeah. really stereotypical version of, you know, someone who's struggling with their mental health. And it really isn't like that. And I think being open when you can be and be like, do you know what? Actually, I'm really struggling today. I can still do all these things. And I yeah. think. You know, I I thought this my, myself when I got diagnosed with postnatal depression. I thought, yeah, but my kids are fed and clothed and happy and go to every baby group going. And my <laughs> husband has his tea cooked every night and a packed lunch and my house is clean. Like, what do you mean? And like, hadn't ever realised that like, there's more versions than the one that I had in my head. And like grief, depression lives in you. And like, it lives in me now. And I can be a certain way and look a certain way and do certain things and feel really open and positive, but still have it somewhere. And yeah. some days it's bigger than others and some days it's smaller, that's but it. it's still there. And like, that's okay. Mm. And every time I have this conversation with someone and I, I can share a bit of that, I can, I hope that that makes other people realize that, oh yeah, it's not all or nothing. It's not you're a, you know, a mess on the floor or you're absolutely fine thriving. It's not like that at all. I agree completely. You can't, you can't go through life being one or the other. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a blend of, of whatever it might be yeah. throughout throughout the day. Yeah, and that strength and bravery, like we said, of being able to be open and talk about it, yeah. and 
being vulnerable this the bravery there and you know often people talk about oh, i need to be strong and for me my mindset around what is strength has completely changed yeah. and i just think there is nothing stronger than a person who is so raw so vulnerable just giving everything to me that they're feeling the strength of that person is incredible and the, the thing i used to think was strong oh God, that's completely out the window you know it's actually sometimes i think it's the easier route to push it all down pretend it's not happening plod along keep going showing up when you're meant to show up smiling when you're meant to smile and pushing everything down like that's probably an easier way than when you actually go, do you know, I'm really going to be vulnerable and self-aware and open and do some work and, and put myself in what might be difficult positions. Yeah. But actually the outcome of it is I'm a bit more honest and open with myself and genuine with who I actually am. And, and seeing the, the benefits of being that. Yeah. You know, you've got to sometimes hit rock bottom to, to get Absolutely. better, to move forward with, yeah. with how you manage your, your feelings and, and your mental health mm. with whatever you do mm. but if you're having a rubbish day to actually acknowledge that and talk if you can talk mm. and reach out mm. or reach for that self-care toolkit yeah. and start looking at what you can do yeah and be all right with that yeah and you know if, if people don't like your new you because yeah. you're having to mm. then sod them yeah, you know absolutely it's about you being able to manage that and yeah. i think that comes with that awareness and people mm. knowing but also the, the the people that they meet like yourself yeah. and others along the way that yeah. they can show them the way yeah and say it's fine absolutely i, re I really hope um anyone listening to the podcast and particularly men you know can just think actually maybe i, I could do with a chat or yeah. you know open themselves up if you can, when you can, I, I think it's so important. And I work with a lot of birth partners, male birth partners um, in my role. And, you know, often the guilt that you feel because you might not have physically experienced something and, you know, you have to be the one that needs to be strong and be okay for everyone else. And you suppress a lot of your own emotion. And um, you said earlier about, you know, you're going to hold your baby or your babies, but not in the way you had anticipated it happening. And or you're, you're coming home on your own. Yeah. That, I, I hear this quite often actually is, you know, in birth trauma, the male partner might be returning home without a baby or without their baby and partner, or the baby and partner need to stay in NICU and they're coming home and it, it's not the vision that they've got in their heads mm. this entire time. And that loneliness, the loneliness in a labour room where the sole focus is on that birthing person and that baby, yep. the isolation, the, the fact that often you don't even get asked your name. You are the parent of this baby and you no. people don't ask you what your name is. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah. But, you know, people, an individual might be thinking, God, I'm, I'm so on my own here. I, I desperately need some support and some help, but I, I can't ask for it. I can't be... The person that says, actually, I'm struggling too. Like, remember me. You can't be that person. You're not allowed to be. I remember in that early stage um, of dealing with grief and of losing Nolan James, um, thinking, I, I can't tell Emma mm -hmm. how I am feeling mm -hmm. because Emma is in bits too and mm -hmm. I don't want her to worry anymore mm -hmm. about me, so I'll, I'll be okay. And it yeah. was only over time that we, we were able to talk to each other yeah. and share that grief and that journey 
yeah. as a result of the environment that we're in and the support of our parents and yeah. our friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the role that, as a man, you know, mm. you're there to protect and, and whatever. I don't know. I've, I've not never been brought up to be yeah. that person. And, and I'm sure mm. there's lots of guys out there that, that, that don't. But naturally, you just fall into this sort of stereotypical role um, and then these circumstances come along and you 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 might not even get thought of yeah. because it's it's not that you know mm. that the attention's on the moment mm. and rightly so but the emotional sort of situation mm. afterwards what what yeah. happened just going back to isolation um over covid we mm. had a, a lot of families reach out because only one person could go in with a scan yes. for those that were expecting their rainbow pregnancies yeah. uh, babies um the the partners are in the car park yeah. or in the car or walking That's around the building anxiety that you have after like, yeah oh my god it's just you know, even now when i go and visit um the bereavement team at, mm. at donny bassett law mm. um ryan amazing and her team mm. um i see the sonography department and i'll yeah. send a shiver because yeah, yeah. even at early pregnancy when, when we when we had our, our early two early miscarriages we had to get walked round to the yeah. department and mm-hmm. scanned and confirmed. Mm. Now that's changed, we've got a scanning yeah. um, machine in, in early pregnancy, amazing. But yeah. every time I see the sign, it sends shivers because yeah. every time we went, it was that anxiety. Yeah. I couldn't look at the screen until yeah. I saw the mm. the body language of the sonographer change, yeah. going, oh, here we go. And I was like, yeah. everything's all right. But during COVID, that yeah. woman, pregnant lady mm. had to deal with that on her own but yeah. also the partner That's out in the car yeah. park going oh my god what's yeah. happening yeah. i'm anxious anyway i'm yeah. struggling i can't actually physically be yeah. there for them it's just yeah so the conversations we've had with with both partners mm. but also mm. in particular men during that time was yeah. unbelievable because yeah. of that yeah isolation yeah. absolutely we we had that with our second daughter was a covid baby and yeah i know my partner really struggled to connect i mean i struggled to connect with the pregnancy yeah. because it was a surprise pregnancy so neither of us were quite ready for it but yeah that going into those scans alone was just the most awful experience every scan felt like the most awful experience for me from the day that we had the scan they said there's no heartbeat from then on i could never feel the same and and for him it was so difficult um so difficult i think the anxieties around scans and appointments is huge and again never gets talked about never um i remember being with our first daughter um being a a 10-week scan for her and my husband nearly fainted and like i laugh and joke about this story quite (laughs) a lot now um but it was the same room that we'd been in when we had had confirmation of losing a baby previously. And this was that we were 10 weeks the furthest we'd ever got. And we just were so full of all the emotion. And it was a really dark room. And I remember he was sat next to me and he kept being, kept saying to me, the walls are closing in. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> he's like, you know, I was having like an internal scan at this point, yeah. legs are in stirrups, like I'm busy. Yeah. And he's like, Frankie, Frankie, the walls are closing in. And I'm like, what What do you mean by that? And he was like, I'm going to have to sit down, the walls are closing in. And I was like, do not faint. I was like, do not. I was so, the anger I had for him, I was like, you better just hold it together. <laughs> he's like, I'm trying. Um, it was very dramatic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, them telling us, yeah, everything looks okay. And like, we can't promise, but right now you have a baby yeah. that is got a heartbeat yeah. in your 10 weeks oh my god that feeling yeah. we were elated i have never felt just 
pure joy and happiness yeah. like I have in that moment. And we were 10 weeks in, like we had so far to go, but yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it was so emotional, isn't it? When you're dealing with that. And then, then having my second daughter and him not coming to any scans, I felt lucky in terms of I'd had a baby and I'd done it just a year before and I got the experiences that I felt I needed, but it's still really hard and sad. And, and I had a lot of friends who were going through, you know, it for the first time in COVID. And I almost felt sorry for them because they didn't know what they were they were missing, yeah. which was really sad. Yeah. Um, it is, it's awful when you think back to yeah. those times and, and what people missed out on in relation to pregnancy and, and that. Yeah. And, and, and it's still having an impact now. I've got a lot of friends and speak to a lot of people uh, through work who are maybe having subsequent babies now. And the anxiety is still there. Or, yeah. and, you know, even just, okay, when I bring this baby home, people are going to want to come to my house. Yeah. And I didn't have that before. And how do I juggle that? And I know for me, my feeding experience was completely different with my second because we just stayed at home with my boobs out all day. <laughs> Whereas with my first, I was like, I have to go to a baby group and I have yeah. to go here and I have to see grandma and I have to see, and I have to look a certain way and I have to wear clothes and Polar jeans. Polar opposite, and... innit? You know, you yeah. look at what, what was normal yeah. life to that period yeah. of time and things that you did and but the things that you missed out on or mm. the, the adjustments that you had to yeah. make that were different. I think it still has such an impact yeah. that we can sometimes dismiss a little bit and not realise actually what everybody went through in that time was incredibly challenging and yeah. that has a long lasting effect now. It will forever, you know. And, and it's, um, yeah, it, that, that isolating time, people mm. of all ages and, and mm. their circumstances, that isolation. Yeah. And, and the things that you used to do to have downtime were yeah. taken away and you couldn't yeah. do it. So you had to think of other things. I mean, for that, I could do the amount of online quizzes. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. that was your fun. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the weekend, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's... um, I think mental health is hugely important to be considered and, and thought about. And there are so many factors why someone might feel they're struggling with their mental health. COVID being a huge factor in that. Yeah. Um. But I think it's really important that like we have these conversations. We put these conversations out there. People know there are spaces through Joel, through Light, through other organisations, yeah. through SAMS, um, you know, with their midwives, with health visitors, with medical professionals as well. It's so important that people know there is a resource, there is support there, and there are people who want to hear you and who can listen, who can really hear you in those darkest of thoughts that you think, gosh, I'm such a terrible person for thinking this. You can share them, yeah. and you're not. Yeah. And, you know, organize, organizations like yourself, like Joel, and like, like we, we, we can hear those dark thoughts. Sure. We can listen. We can be the person that says, you're not a bad person for yeah. feeling or thinking these things. And I really hope that people listening might think, actually, yeah, maybe I will reach out. Maybe yeah. I will think about doing this. And we'll put all of your details in the episode description um, Wonderful. so people can get in contact with yeah. you. And, and the same for Lie. And, and dads and males as well like yeah. there is support there and i know it's hard it's so hard but it, it is out there yeah um you're not alone and, and that's it you know there's the support there so please reach out and mm. uh yeah mm. yeah thank you so much thanks so much frankie for having me yeah, yeah enjoyed it thank you thank you for listening to on a lighter note podcast brought to you by light a pre- and postnatal peer support charity covering Sheffield, Rotherham, Doncaster and the surrounding areas. If you feel you'd like to learn more about LIGHT, 
or any of the topics discussed in today's episode, please see the links in the episode description. Thank you.